You're listening to ForwardConf, an event inspired to keep you moving forward. One of the biggest ways to learn and grow is to embed yourself in another culture. I spent a year in South Korea and it had a massive impact on my life. I not only learned another language, I learned more about how to get the most out of life. Our guests today have lived and worked remote as foreigners in Japan for many years now, and we'll dive into the challenges that they went through and how it's helped them grow and move forward. Chris and Paul, welcome to ForwardConf. Thank you, great to be here. Thank you very much. Also with me today again, my curious co-hosts, Thomas and Josh. Welcome to you both again. Thank you. Now, Chris and Paul, you both live in different parts of Japan. So I imagine we're going to hear potentially potentially very different stories from, from both of you, which should be interesting. We'll see what happens. Uh, but let's start with you, Chris. Your, your life story is pretty extraordinary. I, rec- I recommend anyone go read it in the, the Learn About X-Teamers channel. But if you can, kind of give us a, a short version of how you ended up living uh, and, and working remotely in Japan. The first time I came to Japan was in 2006, and that was with my then girlfriend, who is uh, from Okinawa. And she moved in across the hall from me in college. So um, we became really good friends and dated for a while. And then we moved, we uh, came to Okinawa and I actually fell in love with it. So um, I, I ended up coming back every year after that and then had the opportunity um, to work remotely um, doing basically contract work around 2010. And so I ended up moving to Japan. I had an opportunity to come out here. Uh, her family's out here, so gave it a shot and wanted to live in somewhere different than America for a while. 10 years almost. 10 years, so I mean, there wasn't any sort of, you know, years before that dreaming of, oh, I'm gonna go live in Japan. It was just sort of happened by chance, it sounds like? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, from 2006, I came the first time and then 2007 to 2008, 2009, and um, I went. I kept coming over here to visit her family, and then I loved it so much. I just thought, you know, how can I get there? What can I do? And I had an opportunity at that point to um, work remotely for companies. I started my own company, and then I started picking up contracts from my previous life in the entertainment industry, uh, making movie websites, doing graphic design, doing advertising campaigns for artists for Warner Brothers and some other labels. And since I was already working at home and I, I started getting a lot of work picked up and I wanted to get some more devs. So I went to Vietnam, which I, uh, I used to work with a team over there. And then as I was hiring those people, I was getting more and more work. And then I decided, Hey, since I'm working from here, my team's in Vietnam, my wife is from Okinawa. Let's meet halfway over there. I can go live this life in Okinawa on this beautiful Island and actually be closer to my employees. So. It was a win-win all the way around for me, and I've been here ever since. So, awesome. And then, Paul, you are—you're uh, <laughs> an Irishman living in Japan. It kind of sounds like the premise for a romantic comedy, maybe. Uh, <laughs> give us the short version. How did you end up in Japan? Yeah, it's exactly like that. <laughs> um, There's a lot of Guinness. <laughs> 
Myers the Guinness. <laughs> one one long night of Guinness, and I woke up in Japan. Just a life, yeah, life of Guinness here. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, I I I moved here in well, I I came here first in 2013 on a working holiday visa, and um, yeah, it, it it interested me just because yeah, it was like a culture shock, turning like Irish culture upside down. <laughs> In some way it's like total opposite and that's what I needed at the time and I guess it being like a kind of you know like a more industrialized country and in this uh, industry it was more stable place to kind of go and um, have the opportunity to, to work um, remotely if those opportunities came up um, yeah that was that was one of the, the reasons and you know it was my first place to travel on my own and I was I got a working holiday visa for a year and came here traveled around a good bit went up to Hokkaido and did a lot of snowboarding and then like stayed in Tokyo a little bit and then stayed in Kyoto and uh, for six months and that's where I met my yeah, now wife and we, we saw each other for quite a while in, in Kyoto and then we moved back to Ireland for a few years before returning here yeah, so that's that's the the synopsis. How does it uh, the synopsis of the romantic comedy? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound that romantic at all, does it? <laughs> we'll we'll see as the story progresses. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you mentioned you got a one year visa. Was that difficult to do? Is that still difficult to do? Yeah, that's that's like certain countries can get that. Like I don't think people from the states can get it. I think it's like usually it's like usually an agreement. So it's like both countries allow each other to have working holiday visas in each other's countries. Like for example, Ireland then and and um, and Japan. But I think there's an age cap at thirty years old. So. If you're over 30, you're, you're kind of out of luck there, but <laughs> there could be some other options. Yeah, are there any other visas you're aware of that a, that a developer might be able to get? And like another one, apart from the working holiday visa, it's like a highly skilled visa, which they're pus pushing now a lot. Um, and that's like opening up for foreigners, like Chris said, because of this, um, you know, they've got a problem with the pensions and the, the labor force because of the aging. So they're trying to get these highly skilled foreign um like employees and like that's an option for for programmers to come in but it would be you know it, it, I remember doing this for myself and assessing based on point it's a point system so even with like a master's degree and you know 10 years experience and stuff like that I think I was coming in just just under the the points kind of thing and and but like there was some other kind of gray areas in the document where I could have pushed it over the 80 but it, it is a, an option for people, but I don't think it's that easy to achieve the points um, as well. But it's worth looking at if, if you're interested. Very interesting, yeah. And, and so for Japanese developers, how are they looking at remote work now? Are, are they sort of like, hey, I can actually work for an American company remotely. I should try and do this so I don't have to be stuck in this, this age-old system. Or is there not much market for that happening yet? Uh, yeah, it. I, I mean, remote culture is not uh, part of this society. That you know, in a right. big sense. I mean, uh, in in Japanese society, loyalty and community is like the biggest thing um, when you're working for a company. And community, 
doesn't mean like in Slack. It means like go to work every day, help each other sweep up, clean up, work, you know, have that kind of bond, that the um, physical kind of connection. And um, they don't see remote work as being part of that kind of culture. So uh, they may make you work from home. Like right now, my wife is working from home right here with me because she got kicked out of her office, but that's only due to coronavirus. So <laughs> they, they're right. just, you know, but yeah, besides that, then she's got to go back. So they, they don't see any permanent solution as far as I can tell. Yeah, like whenever I mention remote here, it's just, it's so far off the radar that like, it just is not compatible with the way things are set up here. Like everything is very physical based, like paper based. Like you'd be at the level of, you'd be printing out PowerPoint presentations and things like that. That would be quite a common thing to do. Um, like like you're, you're not using like online based systems like people have the, like a conception that Japan's very futuristic and things like that but I think that's a misconception I think it's things are not so linear it's kind of like hardware and like uh, structural mechanical things can be you know ahead but then in terms of like software or um, these kind of uh, systems like uh, online banking and things like that you're, you're talking about like things that are very hard to use like uh, like anything that's uh, software based is just not at the same level um, and, and that's because things are more physical uh, everything's much more physical here like you, you'd want a, a physical flyer to advertise something rather than a, a digital based system things are not as digitized yeah I, I actually had conversations with my old boss when I, I did work for a Japanese company over here as a developer and uh, that was back a while ago when I had, you know, decent proficiency of Japanese. You don't have a lot of 25 year olds or 30 year olds or 35 year olds saying, let's push this tech, let's move forward. You have a lot of, maybe you have a lot of guys doing that, but then it goes up through the chain and the guys at the top are always 65, 75 years old. And they're like, no, we like this nineties designed website that requires you to click eight buttons to get to the transaction page um that's the type of stuff that they like they don't they don't like to break from norms they don't like to take a risk it's really risk averse culture and that's what um as far as tech that's why there there's a lot of problems in their um, being able to keep up with the rest of the world chris you mentioned uh this community side of the culture and i think that sounds like a very wonderful thing that you would you would want to be surrounded by is there sort of another side to that the more the more time you spend working with people the more of a bond that you create and then a lot of the a lot of the companies as well here um what from what i've experienced and what i've heard is that they want to work together as much as possible and there is this kind of thing you know let's work eight hours a day but then there's the seniority thing where you know, if Ryan, you were in the office with us and you're you're the big boss, right? And we're all in the office with you. If you decide you don't want to go home till 11, nobody goes home till 11. Right. And that's how it is yeah. over here. You don't leave until the boss leaves, because if you do, then you look like you're not putting in as much effort as the boss. And that's a, that's a big thing here. And that's why they have black companies in Japan. They're called where people are working 100 hours a week, 80 hours a week. And it's real life. When I worked um, for Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi doing an application for them, they had me on 
80 hours a week and that's not an exaggeration that was a good week and uh i just i had to sit there until the boss left and that was it um but it, then then afterwards then you have this community kind of thing everybody goes out and drinks and they're like oh we're working so hard and then they you know there's that feeling of like we're going through the struggle together you know and that I, that it, that's the kind of society it is and it, it is a good thing but um if you're a foreigner here and you're not used to that then that can get really taxing um i think i lasted four months until that application was done and then they presented something else to me and i was like Oh, let me go look for something else. And that's when I came to X-Team. <laughs> I was like, right. okay. <laughs> I, I had, I've had similar, but maybe maybe not the 80 hours a week. But yeah, I, I was working in, in Kyoto as well. And like some similar situations with like sometimes I come in in, in the morning and, and I'm like usually I'd be the first in, but my, my bosses would be already there like occasionally. And it was just because they actually hadn't gone home at all. They're just doing like full 24 hour nights and then just be asleep at the, the desk and so like sleeping in work in the office is a, is a good thing here it's like showing that you are so you've worked yourself dry and you're you'll just fall asleep right at the table because you give it your all like the, there is the flip side of that and and it's something that i really appreciate about here is that like whatever the job people really own it here and, and they they do their best and like there's a level of trust in the whole community and the society that's just like the thing if, if I went home now it's just like straight away I'll notice that that's not present anymore and there's a kind of you're, you're not trusting people and you're like checking up and have to chase people to do things and make sure they're doing the correct job and all these kind of things like that here you just things can be easy in some way because you know the person that's doing anything like that you're uh, getting them to like fix something in your house or whatever service-based it's going to be 100% dedicated. And, and that reminds me, you know, when I lived in South Korea for that year, there were definitely good parts and, and bad parts that I, or, or not, that, that you can take with you or not take with you. And their behavior changes that you want to instill the good stuff in you. What parts of the Japanese culture, let's start with the good stuff uh, that has sort of inspired you and, and maybe changed you in a good way. Uh, well, for me, uh, having more patience and being more relaxed, that's definitely something that I, got from over here. Um, I know everybody's from a different part of the world, but you know, I'm from Los Angeles. It's, it took me three hours to get to work and it was only 15 miles away. <laughs> so I mean, as far as like dropping from the rat race, I'm on Okinawa. I know Tokyo's the same, probably the same way as LA and a lot of the other big cities, but I've been able to relax. Um, there's kind of a, there's kind of a laid backness here that, um, that is kind of relaxing. You know, uh, it, you don't have to really rush you you do have to put in a lot of work a lot of hours and do stuff like that but afterwards it's like really slow and an another really good thing is that japanese people are mostly really friendly they don't have attitude problems um you see that in america i'm from america so a lot of people are like ah you know throwing you know they got attitude problems and they say this or that or make a comment that doesn't happen here um it's everybody is really concerned about how everybody feels over here, which is really nice because you have some, you know, um, people are just really friendly and then they don't cause problems. They don't like to cause um, issues. And there's also like the safety is really good here for me. That's, that's interesting to hear. I think there's, 
there's that perception of oh the yakuza is, is always out to get you or something you know from from all the movies and stuff you feel like you feel very safe though yeah i mean there is that aspect there's the bad aspect of the the yakuza over here but that's if you dip into that life so if you're into you know you're trying to do music over here or you're going to you know certain bars or you're doing some certain things that are like in the neighborhoods that have those people that run that kind of business then you can fall in it problems anywhere you go really um, but you know the scale of it is a lot toned down where I'm at I know there is more of that presence in mainland um, but yeah over here it, it's uh, it's not bad at all and you know also for me another good thing is um, I can eat more healthy it just there's so much good food in the in the store I mean, I, I love eating sashimi and sushi, and I can go to the store and I can get fresh cut in the morning from the people that work in the store. They cut it, put it out, four or five bucks. I got a whole plate of sashimi in front of me as opposed to like, you know, you can't really do that in America. You have to go to a restaurant for that. Um, so it's kind of cool in that aspect to eat more healthy and it's, uh, you don't have to put in that much effort. Yeah, how about you, Paul? What's what's the good stuff? Yeah. If any, it could be none. <laughs> no, no, there definitely is, <laughs> and it's a, it's an interesting thing because my wife and I have lived in 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 both uh, countries. It, once you're in a place, you can kind of because you know the other culture and um, the other cultural model or the syst systematic model in the, your the other country, you can you can start comparing things and kind of focus on why are things done this way, like. Uh, when at home it's not done this way and it's kind of much better in this particular way but then once you're in the other place you kind of you see the things that are much better in the other place as well because yeah, it's quite easy to focus on the things you want to change rather than the things that are good a lot of the time which is uh, always something we try to keep keep in our mind because um, otherwise you can just you can feel a bit down about some of the pressures like for example like the things Chris said about that community pressure like that's that's in work, but then it's also in like I live in a quite a rural place in the mountains in um, in Ishikawa on the opposite side to Tokyo, and like the 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 town has a it's it's community as well, and they'll do things like cleaning and things like that, which would be quite regular. So it, it and the cleaning in some way it's cleaning a shrine, a Shinto shrine. Um, for uh, ceremonies and things like that, but it's kind of not cleaning. It's kind of like spiritual cleaning in some way like the things you're cleaning are kind of like a, It's like organic matter and things like that. So it's it doesn't really need that cleaning You know, so you're kind of cleaning which can be could be hard for a, a foreigner to kind of You know uh, think why why am I doing this? Um, and it's kind of this bond. It's a bond and a spiritual cleaning thing to make the group stronger and stuff in, in ways as well but there can be a lot of expectations there like say if you, you you skip that or you're not showing your face to these kind of things you can kind of feel a, a bit of pressure there and sometimes they can be it can be a, a little bit much um, in some ways as well but yeah like other things that I, that I like about here is is like the way raising kids here is is can be quite um from the parents and uh, some parts of the schools are, are really good. I'm sure Chris has some of the, the other side because his uh, kid is a bit older uh, than, than my my child. But um, like this in school and on the way to school even, you know, kids have a lot more responsibility in some ways. So this responsibility is there from a young age, you know, to carry their own bags and, and these kind of things rather than 
So sometimes you'll see the parent with the kid, which is quite interesting to see with, with foreign eyes, and the kid's kind of looking heavy and small little kid, and the, the parent has nothing, <laughs> just holding the, 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 the kid's <laughs> hand, and the kid has all the, the heavy things, the bags of books and stuff like that. So there's a kind of sense of responsibility and ownership from a, from a very young age. And then, you know, the, the, like Chris said then as well, this thinking about what does the other person feel and that's nearly more than what do I feel um, so it's complete opposite for for somewhere like a western culture with the me first type way of thinking how do I feel in this situation it's how does each other person feel and and uh, it, it makes it a less um, conflicts um, as well um, but on the flip side it puts a lot of weight on on, on the person so it's such it's such a like pros and cons um, place, but you can see some of the some of the things that how the things are set up that are, you know, they can make things a lot easier in some ways and then not in, in other ways. Yeah, I can definitely see how there's there's pros and cons to to all of those things. It's really interesting. I, I mean, is there anything else that maybe has had a a a more positive uh, impact on you? Yeah, I think it's that being conscious of others. Um, even more uh, trying to be conscious of others even more so and um, like one that I, I always remember and we kind of laugh about is when my my wife came over to to move over to Ireland in, in the f uh, the first time and uh, she brought a kind of a gift um, called omiyage in in Japanese it's um, from the local area it was like a, a tea and she brought over to my, to my family and it was nice Th thanked her for the the tea and um, I, I asked, were these tea bags uh, uh, biodegradable? And, and they, they weren't, they were some kind of synthetic material. But then that was kind of like offense, fending, offending her, her gift then in, in some way as well. So it's these kind of like subtle things to kind of like uh, be more conscious of the things that you're saying and doing and that can like, um, you know, put someone else down or, or somebody else's positive action down. There's a lot of this kind of, um, being conscious of what you're saying or doing, um, which I think is is a good thing. I, I still make mistakes doing that as well. So even the smallest thing, you can, yeah, it, you have to be really careful what you say and how you say and how you address people's actions. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's I was I was living in America till you know I was like 30, mm, 32 or something like that. I and then. I came from childhood, everybody was really nice and friendly and you know, and then it started getting a little bit worse and more attitude and stuff like that in America and more attention, you know, road rage and that kind of stuff. But then when I came over here, it was like, like somebody hit the rewind button, you know what I mean? It was just like, uh, everybody's nice and friendly and it's like, I would, I can't, I just came back to how I used to be when I was young, you know, I, I mean, that's how I feel. Um, it, it's really nice to not have to deal with, with all of the tension that that is present in in America at least yeah the roadway rage is an interesting one and um, like Ireland isn't so bad for that in general anyway but here is like just super chill to drive and people can just like cut across other people and turn in and and you know the, there's no beep nobody's like using a horn or anything like they just let the person go across and just continue there's just very very relaxed way of driving and it's uh, it's something that's definitely I'm um, learning 
Um, because I'm gonna be like, well, why is that person going across? I'm not beeping because I'm kind of that don't really do that in any way, but I can see how in another country, I don't know, uh, Italy always stands out as somewhere that they're quite uh, using a lot of horn, <laughs> horn and beeping when you're when you're there. But yeah, it can be something the opposite of of somewhere more hectic to drive, I guess, which is nice. If I were to go live in Japan for a few years, what are some of the aspects of the culture that I might want to avoid adopting that might be a bit infectious in a sense, but you should be more conscious about avoiding. I can think of one in South Korea, for example. I'm sure it's similar in Japan. The alcohol is uh, consumption is is very high, uh, and and it's very easy to fall into that. So that's uh, that's that's one example for you. For for me, I, I would like from my experience, I, I would never work for a Japanese company. That would just be a rule, and that was why I came, why we came back, um, after, um, starting with X Team, um, and we were like, okay, we can actually live in Japan and get the benefits, but kind of like cut out a lot of the 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 strain and a lot of the pressure, um, through working remotely, um, but if that wasn't on the cards, we we certainly wouldn't have moved here. That's kind of um, like like Chris said, the the black uh, companies. It's kind of a little bit too dark and um, consuming and controlling, like I said, with you know moving people all over the place and just at their decision. It's just the culture of that is uh, opposite to what we would be used to and probably uh, put up with in most cases. That would be one thing for me anyway. I was curious, what's the Japanese's, their vision on the future of their country? Because there's been three decades of no real economic growth. How do they look at the future? Is it hopeful? Is it not hopeful? Um, what do they think? Where, where do they think their country is heading towards? There is a bit of panic in their in their um, like the upper echelons of their government right now, and I think that's why we uh, to touch back on what we were talking about before. They're opening up to more foreign workers coming in there because they do see that um, they're missing. Uh, income from there's such a huge gap of the older generation and younger generation and actually over here i don't know if it's the same in mainland but i i assume it is anybody that makes under ten thousand at one job they don't have to pay taxes over here uh, so what these young what young people do is they go out and get three or four part-time jobs making eight thousand dollars and then they end up keeping all their income that doesn't go to the taxes so um <laughs> there's a huge gap of income like tax income so when they when they they're thinking to the future, they know that there's a big problem here, and they recently, just over the last couple of years, have opened it to foreigners because they know there's a lot more earning income potential um, from highly skilled workers. I remember in South Korea, the the language barrier was was pretty significant. Not not like what you would see in, in say Southeast Asia. You know, countries like China, South Korea, uh, Japan. There's a serious language barrier that makes sort of this long-term staying really challenging. How has it been for you guys? The language is so complicated. I studied it for four years and I got up to N3 level, which is like an intermediate level of Japanese. I was working at a Japanese company. I could speak over there, but uh, it's like the leap from going from intermediate to a business uh, proficiency in Japanese is like, I think 5,000 kanji more um, three or four books more like it. I mean, it's just the, 
the language is so complicated that you can't really do anything yourself. I think that's the biggest challenge. I mean, if I was just to come here and live by myself, I would have been gone a long time ago. I think, you know, as far as like from, if you don't come here with the full language and background, or at least a, you know, proficiency and conversation, you won't be able to survive here unless, you know, you know, for me and Paul, it's been like, we have a, our wife is from here. So when it comes to legal stuff, you know, they, they do everything probably. I mean, from my, my wife does everything. I feel like a baby, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and there, there's That's not, yeah, it, it's really, it's really hard to deal with that kind of thing. Um, I know there's women watching, but from a man's perspective, you want to handle everything. You know, you want, you want to be the guy that holds everything down. You want to be the head of the household. And when you come here, it's like, here's your diaper. You can't do anything anymore. You just, you just, you know, do, do what you can. And, um, you know, you can go to the store and you get groceries and you can do the basic stuff. But when it comes to legal stuff, there's no way the documents are too complicated. It's too much kanji. Yeah, absolutely. Have the exact same experience. Um, I'd say if you're interested in coming to Japan for anyone listening, it's like, it's a super place to come for a year to see what it's like either on the working holiday visa or um the like if you can get the highly skilled visa that's that's fantastic or there's a there's another one there's a student visa you can get and like you can um i think you can open like a sole trade um business with that but then again um you know that's on that would be on top of a 20 hours doing student uh, japanese studying uh, japanese language studying in a in a you know in a like a language center um but yeah, any of that legal stuff then, like, like Chris saying, you, you need help with that. You're, unless your Japanese is like really high level, like the, those tax, those submitting those tax returns is one of our biggest burdens here. Like my, my wife does it and it's weeks of work. It's not like just, you know, <laughs> profit and expenses. It's just so bureaucratic. It's very, um, very involved process and very particular. Um, and to pay someone to do that, you're talking like four thousand US dollars. Um, we paid it the first year we were here. I don't know if it's the same with you, Chris, around that kind of cost. But uh, yeah, so it's it's a significant chunk. But um, yeah, so that that's a challenge. Um, yeah, so the basically yeah that feeling of being being looked after here, and it's kind of like can you can you do this for me? It's a kind of lot of uh, pressure uh, put put on uh, my wife from like these things I want her to research or like this information I can't get because I'm blocked of uh, getting it and it just it kind of all adds up and um, for example when we were in Ireland it was the other way around but she was a lot more independent than I was it was a, a lot easier because she's an English teacher uh, as well but um, I did a lot of the stuff and um, but here it's like I, I'm doing like you know five percent of things or <laughs> less the easy things do you guys ever start to feel a little lonely because of the the language barrier and, and it being hard to find people beyond just your wife who you can sort of build connections and a deeper connection with? You can't make a, a really deep connection with Japanese people um, because of the language barrier. It, you know, when, you, when you're in a country where you speak your native language, you have a lot of friends that you grow up with or you go to a company and you can really you know, you can talk about work, but then you can really go out and talk about deeper things and you can really bond with people. And over here, it's uh, there's many layers to the society of J in Japan. 
So um, there's always like really friendly people, always smiling. Yes, yes, you know, and they they make you feel good. There's that level, and that's basically what a foreigner will get to. Then there's another level underneath that where there's you know there's some feelings and opinions about stuff, but you very rarely see that because of the the face that um, of Japanese society, the friendly face, the people that want to make you feel good, they want everybody to get along and that kind of thing. And then there's lower levels to that, which I have no idea. I still you know what my wife talks about with her family I've got a not a clue <laughs> but yeah I, it there's uh there's there's a lot of layers that it's like a cake you know you, you're only going to get the top layer here you get the icing but that's it yeah less opinionated on things which which can be like we talked about the the pros of that things being less um I can't think of the word, but less uh, confrontational. There we go. But at the same time, uh, sometimes uh, having opinions is is, is what uh, a conversation can be built off. So, if for uh, certainly from a Western cultural perspective, that's what we discuss, uh, and th things sometimes can't be on that level of discussion because sometimes opinions aren't formulated um, to to certain topics. Like so. It just wouldn't really have much uh, back and forth on, on things so yeah the conversations can be at a, at a different level and, and like like Chris said like I'd it would be it'd be rare uh, for, for me to have like you know a long conversation with them um, with, with someone here other than um, uh, someone who might be a little bit more globalized than more traditional Thomas earlier this week talked to us about living uh, long durations in multiple countries. You both have have lived even longer in in one location in, in Japan specifically. Is it something you would recommend to other people, or is it something you might recommend a different country instead? Yeah, I would recommend coming here to live. Um, I I don't know if a lot of people can do it long term uh, unless they have the language behind them. Um, I've personally found since I've been here that uh, places like Thailand or Vietnam or uh, you know where they they teach and learn English in their elementary schools all the way through high school is much much easier of an environment to be in for me personally um, and I, I don't know you know the depth I'm sure there's you know ups and downs of those societies as well um, I think Japan, if you can get here and you can stay here, you're going to have a good life here. It's not, you're going to have, you know, clean air, you know, friendly environment, safety, um, all the good things. And the trade-off is that you won't be able to do very much uh, as far as like, you know, for yourself. But I, for me, that's, that's the biggest sticking point. I, I think it's something similar like that I, I think I, I'd, I'd come here um, you know for for a year at the, and kind of see how, how you feel or even you know the three months on the the, the tourist uh, visa is, is a good way to do things but um, yeah long, long term it just depends what your what your interests are if you're if you're very interested in specific uh, cultural elements of Japan it can be you know obviously a lot more accessible I know uh, it can be common for for developers to have you know the interest in some some of the things here be it anime or other things like that but um yeah i think i think like 
long long term for, for me um it, it can be there can be some things that that are a bit more uh, blockers so like like the sustainability like we mentioned it just depends what kind of lifestyle you're trying to live and if you're trying to be maybe progressive let's say i don't know if that's the good word for it but maybe alternative lifestyles depending on where you are can be quite a challenge here you can run up against um like a, a blocks in in the system um because it's it's more of a, a communal culture like we've said already that um like uh one of the sayings here i don't know it in japanese your japanese is better than mine chris mine's only but it's like the n4 if that makes any sense to other people listening if they've looked into it but uh a step down and um, they have a saying here which is um, nails that stand out will be hammered down which uh, <laughs> is a um, is always one I bring up in conversation because it's um it's it's like you know if you if you're standing out of the like the whatever it is the, the wood um, kind of thing it's gonna be a weaker system so that's why the change is not so um, flexible as well because if you're you're you know everyone knows what they're doing and they can act together it can be a stronger um movement but um on the flip side if you're if you're trying to like um, be someone who's trying to you know uh, act proactively and, and change things you can it can be a real challenge and i think that that would be if you're someone like that uh, long term being here you're going to be up against it in certain ways but otherwise um yeah it's there's many pro, uh, pros to being here as well, and yeah, I certainly would miss a hell of a lot of things here if I left. So is Japan somewhere you think you could live forever? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i American. I'm used to uh, kind of hitting the gas pedal when I want to do something, and, you know, I have some parachutes on my car on the, in, over here. I can't really, I can't do what I want to do here. That's why, you know, in X-Team, I feel like, you know, I can really do something, but here you know being living here i cannot do what i want to do uh so i i do have an urge kind of to go somewhere else i've i spent a lot of time in southeast asian countries and i feel like it would be easier to live there but uh there are trade-offs anywhere you go so for instance here um in america and a lot of other countries healthcare is is horrible but in japan uh, it's amazing and it's cheap. So, I, I mean, if I have some kind of issue, I go to the hospital, um, I, the doctor will say, let's take your blood, let's get an x-ray, let's do this. And then usually in America, I got to go home, come back two weeks, pay a copay, and then get the results. And if I need something else, they say, okay, let's schedule that. You got two weeks to wait, you go back. And it, it's like this process and you have to keep paying and paying and paying. In Japan, you get it all done in a day if you want. Uh, you, you get the blood work x-ray, you wait 15 minutes, come back, they have the results. If you need something else, they'll send you down the hall and get it. And within a couple hours, you get an answer and figure out what's going on. And you go to the register and you pay 30 bucks or something like that, you know, um, depending on what you get done. So it, it's a much better functioning society as far as like healthcare. And that's something that, uh, I've had some problems in my past with health and, I don't want to go back to a system like America. I really don't. I thought that was going to change, you know, after Obama was president, but 
it, it's in shambles again. So I, I really don't want to go to another country and have to deal with that. And I don't want to have my son have to deal with that. And I think uh, being here, like Paul was saying, is a good incubator for family. It, you, you know, the children are going to have a great life here. They're going to get a good education here. They're going to they're going to learn what the meaning of hard work is. You know, my son goes to, to school every day and he doesn't go to a lunchroom and get his food slopped on a plate for him. They cook it fresh every day and the kids have to go to the cafeteria, get it on a cart, bring it back to the room. They have to take turns serving each other. And then everybody cleans up and cleans up the classroom and takes it back to the to the cafeteria. So they learn this responsibility, how to take care of each other and how to look out for each other, um, no matter how they're feeling. So, I mean, as far as me raising my son here, that was my main reason for coming here. I wanted my son to be safe. I didn't want him to grow up in L.A., you know, Los Angeles and America and a lot of other places. They have really bad underculture you know with weapons and gangs and drugs and you know a lot of other stuff japan is just not like that uh, there's nobody that has a gun over here <laughs> i mean yeah. there's nobody that's you Some know say. doing heroin and crack and cocaine and you know all that kind of stuff over here there, it just somewhere. it just doesn't <laughs> exist you know and, and that for that reason the crime rate is really low so yeah. it, you could throw you, your wallet into a group of people and you'd, you'd get it back <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I've I've seen people passed out on the ground, you know, from being drunk because that's a really bad thing in Japan. People drink a lot and they pass out. They have their wallet on their chest, their phone. They wake up in the morning, and it's still there. In America, before the person hits the ground, their wallet and phone would be gone, and that person would be you know, <laughs> spending a credit card somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one of the best things I've seen with that over here is is um. There was a there was a young enough guy who had drank too much and he was he was getting sick out of the uh, like not out of the taxi he was just like around the back of the taxi but the taxi driver was like basically rubbing his back and giving him water and stuff like that. <laughs> this yeah. is not happening in Ireland. He'd <laughs> be like, "Get out! Give me the money for getting sick anywhere near my yeah, taxi yeah. and see you later." Yeah, you'd have a you'd have a boot print on your back back right. of your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much what you said there is is it that's kind of responsibility and caring and mutual like uh, respect is is just really amazing here and important so yet another culture i'm inspired by thank you both so much for coming on forward thank you very much this roundtable is not done yet and you can join it Jump into the Forward Conf channel on Slack and you'll find some of the talking points from this episode that we're discussing further in depth together. There's a bounty reward for participating, so go join in, dive into this world with us more. And while you're in the Forward Conf channel, check out the pinned post there to learn more about the giveaways, new vault items, and all the events going on this week. Until next time, may the X be with you.